All right, after a long delay, we are back, baby, and better than ever. I've been traveling a lot, so I apologize for the lapse here and pushing out episodes, but the insatiable content uh, podcast isn't going anywhere. I'm your host, as always, Vincent Rossmeyer, and today we have a special episode. Not the type of very special episode of TV shows like Saved by the Bell or Family Ties that teach some sort of strong moral lesson about drugs that were on TV when I was a kid. Nope, instead, as a huge NBA fan, we're going to embark on our second sports-related podcast since the start of the Insatiable Content Podcast and focus entirely on what I think could be the best playoffs for any sports league in a while, the 2022 NBA Playoffs. And I say it may be the best because it is so, so wide open and there are so many great storylines going into this. I truly don't understand how you can't be as excited as I am about these playoffs if you care even a little bit about basketball. And to join me today to discuss all things NBA, have a great guest and a person who cares about basketball as much as I do, perhaps even more so, which is kind of scary, uh, because he's been a Pelican season ticket holder for far longer than me and actually goes to all the games. None other than Alex, the original Smoothie King Jarrell. Thank you so much for joining me, Alex. Vince, I'm honored to be invited. I'm a longtime listener. <laughs> at the very beginning. Seriously, with the White Lotus podcast? That's true. I, I haven't told this to you, but I feel indebted to you. My family was ev- evacuating you know, from Hurricane Ida this past fall. We were sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic. We had our baby. We had my father-in-law, my mother-in-law. We had our dog, my in-law's dog, my in-law's cat. And it was one of those moments where I wasn't sure I was going to make it. Uh, (laughs) Like on hour seven, I said, everybody stop. No talking. I'm firing up my podcast. I'm just going to listen. And we listened to you and the White Lotus podcast. Uh, and it's what got me through. So I'm just honored to be a guest here today. Well, I appreciate that. I hope your family and your pets weren't offended by all the profanity, but uh, that's a really nice thing to say. So thank you. Um, all right. So what we're going to do today, structure is going to be pretty straightforward. We're going to go through each of the eight series uh, in the 2022 playoffs. We're going to give our thoughts. Um, now, we're d- recording this the on the Monday after the weekend, first weekend of games. So every series has had one game completed, which I, I, I was saying to Alex before we began, I think is actually good because it gives us some perspective on, um, you know, maybe some of how our original predictions would have gone. Uh, but yeah, we're each going to give our takes and um, you can completely ignore them or take heed of them depending on, you know, how much you trust what we're saying. So here we go. I'm really excited to talk about this with you, Alex, because as um, you know, there's nothing, no sport I care about more than basketball, in part just because you know, it's such a good drama. Um, and it's basically like soap opera. This is my people magazine and the players are as interesting off the court, uh, with their fake Twitter accounts, uh, their burner accounts and as they are on the court. So let's jump into this. We're going to start with what I would say is my least favorite series. I'm not sure I'm going to watch any of this, uh, at least not until Luca comes back, but it's the, uh, Utah jazz versus the Dallas Mavericks. I would say for me, Alex, the only compelling storyline here which has been defeated because Luca is going missed the first game that the Jazz won and is probably going to miss the second was that I really just love how much uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell hate each other. And I really wanted to see this. I'm, I, I don't want to watch this team anymore. I don't have any interest in them and I want them to like be disbanded. And I'm so tired of hearing people say what a good defender Rudy is when he just the team isn't good. They're not fun to watch. And um He's played off the court in the playoffs, in my opinion. I just wanted to see Luca. He's not playing. So now I have almost no interest in this series, but I'm still 
predicting and hoping that the Mavs win. What do you think? Yeah, if the tree falls in the middle of the woods, no one <laughs> hears it, did it really fall? Like, without Luka, this is an absolute snooze fest. And it has nothing to do with Utah being a small market. Look, we were all locked into the Westbrook Durant Thunder years. We're locked into the Grizzlies now. We're yep. locked into the Bucks. Who cares that it's Salt Lake City? It has everything to do with that this team is in the dreaded zone of being good enough to win games in the regular season and not good enough to advance in the playoffs. Exactly. You know, this, I don't need to see any more of it. A little bit, like we go back and forth and banter on Rudy Gobert. I do think, you know, when you have turnstile after turnstile defensively on that roster for the Jazz, like it's pretty hard on him. I think with a different makeup, he could still be valuable. But like, I, again, well, I'd rather talk about the other series. It's just this will have no impact ultimately on who wins the championship because they're not going anywhere. Agreed. And the, the only other thing I would say about this is I agree. Well, I, two things. I agree with you. This is an anti-Utah bias. I don't dislike Salt Lake City. In fact, it weirdly has one of the best sushi sushi restaurants in the world. I spent, I've been there twice now for marathons, and it is kind of an interesting place, even though it's weird. Um, but then secondly, I also like just wanted to say that I love how much shit the Pelicans have taken for their roster management and building this year, but they got rid of Nikolai Alexander-Walker to the Jazz, and he is one of the worst players in the league, one of the historically worst, most inefficient players. And so I just love the fact that he's not playing for them either. So that's just a complete tangent and a complete personal thing. But that's just one other, the only other comment I have on the series. Yeah, next. Next. All right, now we're getting into the meat of it. The first game in the series was absolute dynamite. Wolves-Grizzlies, tell me what you're thinking. So... I hate to be a curmudgeon again, but like my only challenge with the NBA today is just the overemphasis on the three. And the games just become so volatile. And sometimes it really comes down to look at the three-point shooting, look at the role players, did the shots go in or did the shots not go in? Uh, and so the Wolves bench, seven for 16 from the three-point line. Grizzlies bench only shot one for eight. It's just really hard to make that up in mm-hmm. today's NBA. There's a lot of points. Um, yeah, I really fun obviously Anthony Edwards John Morant like these are like some of the young guns and it's exciting to see um ultimately I wouldn't put too much stock into it put your money on the Grizz they're gonna win game two big and I still think that they're uh the heavy favorites for this series I couldn't agree more I I could I want to hang out with Ant so badly he just seems just an amazing hang right like Anthony Edwards just seems like fun fearless I heard Rosillo and Simmons talking about him on uh, Bill Simmons podcast this morning about how he he might be a guy like he might be one of those guys like that we could see and his performance in the first thing in the first game was incredible he really is fearless and just gives no fucks which I love Um, and it's so funny to see him paired with Carl Anthony Towns who just I really respect his game. He's had an insanely difficult off the court past two years. Um, but I can't believe how often he just disappears in big games. Um, but yeah, I would also just say Ja is my favorite younger player in the NBA, and I really want to see them succeed. And I like the idea of a team that is as fearless as the Grizzlies and that isn't is has one superstar who actually plays and doesn't sit out seasons because he can't get in shape. Um, and they all seem to like each other and are really into this like, yeah, we're a small market and we're still coming for you. So I'm with you. 
I think the Grizz still win. I will be interested to see if they have to shorten their bench at some point. But I also can't, to your point, I can't imagine them shooting this poorly, their bench shooting this poorly for the rest of the series. I think they're going to rebound and rebound in a big way in the second game. And they, I still think they win the series, as I said. Yeah. The only, the only thing to, to watch out for, for John, and of course, you know, there's no one who's more fun to watch, more electrifying. And as a former like Westbrook, Westbrook fan, like I love that type of style. But in today's NBA game, going back to the three-point shooting, if he can't fully develop a three-point shot, I think there's a ceiling yep. to him and his team. I, and I really, I hate to make it go down. To, like it's not, I hate to make it that simple. But at the end of the day, your your top player, your top creator, has to be able to to stretch the floor. Um, and so that'll be interesting long term to watch with this team. But short term, can't wait. I think they're still the heavy favorites. And if we get a Grizz Warrior series in the semifinals, like let's go. I, I agree. Now, can I just follow up on one thing? You're you're saying yep. you're a recovering Westbrook fan? Is our fandom <laughs> downtown? Uh, I still, don't get me wrong, I still rock the Westbrook jersey. <laughs> I still have Westbrook bobbleheads. Um, and I, I think it's a little bit unfair. The It, it wasn't Westbrook that caused the, the Lakers solely to torpedo. There's a lot of issues there, but it's been, it's been tough, man. It's been a really tough couple of years. Yeah, as someone who loves the tenacity that he brings to the game and would like he cares so much like that's what i want in every player to for them to care as much as a washington football team fan i'm fuck it if i'm going to call them the commies anytime soon um like i always felt growing up that they're the players never cared as much as like me or my friends did about the team he cares so much and it's really hard for me to to not like him but man it has been a steep decline and he just will not change his game or ever take responsibility for the fact that he may be problematic as uh, yeah it's it's one of those things where it's like the relative that you can't you know like they're part of the family they're always going to be there but man you can't really agree with like some of their takes on donald trump or something like that and so at the thanksgiving table you're just sort of like give me another glass of wine but i I don't really want to talk to you um okay let's go on to another fascinating series Raptors, Sixers. I was shocked by the first game of this series. I am just going to own my prediction beforehand was the Raptors. I still sort of believe I'm a little worried. Scotty Barnes, the uh, really incredible rookie for the Raptors, um, got injured in the first game. He rolled up his ankle on Joel Embiid. I'm going to stick with my prediction, but it's not because I actually think it's right. It's more so that I just want it to happen because... I am unabashedly a James Harden hater. Um, I don't think the Sixers are that good other than Joel Embiid, who I love and love watching. And he brings that passion that I was just talking about with Westbrook. But I can't not root against uh, against Harden. And I enjoy it so much. I like the fact that the guy can't get in shape, that he continues to quit on teams and make them trade him. And like, seriously, like I get it strip clubs you're you, they're fun they're whatever like not for me but like good that James Harden likes it but maybe could we just do that in the off season like and i also think Nick Nurse is an incredible coach so i i am less i i believe less in my prediction here but at the same time uh, I really, really want to see the Sixers win just for the chaos that will ens- or for the Sixers to lose just for the chaos that will in- ensue. Yeah, so slightly different take here. 
This is the first team that we've mentioned so far. So this is six teams that I think can actually win the NBA championship. Like the Grizz can't win it. Agreed. Uh, Timberwolves can't win it. I think the Sixers can. Uh, and when it comes down to it, is that you need, and you're going to hear me say this over and over again on this podcast, NBA history tells us very clearly that you need top players to win the championship. Yep. You need two top ten players. Uh, and we haven't beat... And so the question is, is Harden that really elite player anymore? And if he is, yes, they are absolutely good enough to win the championship. Maxi's a great third banana. You got Tobias Harris. Um, like, this is a team that can do it. And if Harden, though, is just like the 30th, 40th best player in the NBA, they're not going to do it. Uh, and so I actually, you know, before game one, was really high on the Sixers. And I thought that they had more than a puncher's chance to win. I'm actually more down on the Sixers after game one because what I saw from Harden was not a top 10 player. Yep. And so, yeah, Maxi had a great game one and shot the ball really well. That's not going to be consistent. But if in game three, game four, and if they advance, then they will beat the Raptors. If Harden can't put up 30-10, they're in trouble. I, I agree. And look at his shooting percentages for the past, God, like the past month, he had those two really or three really good games when he first came to the Sixers. But like, I believe in his first game in this series, he was six for 17. And that has been his stat line for a while now. And you can't get by shooting like 33%. And I think he was two for 10 from the uh, from two point range too. like he's just not the player he was. And I also think it'll be interesting. I, I don't want to over emphasize how much Stiebel means to the Sixers, but the fact that he can't play because he didn't finish his vaccination series when they're in Toronto, I do think will have some effect. And I think the longer the series goes, if the Raptors can pull it out, if the Sixers ultimately win, it just sets them up for, I think, a lot of problems in the next round. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it will be fascinating. I will just say, I th- before to go back, you, you were saying this is the first team we've t- talked about that you think could win it all. Before the start of the Grizzlies uh, Wolf series, I was higher on the Grizz and thought they had a chance just because they were playing with such electricity by the end of the season. I, I'm coming around to your side now that I'm not sure they can get there in the playoffs. Um, What's amazing is that Minnesota, like the NBA, in some ways is so unpredictable. Yep. And in other ways, it's one of the most predictable sports. <laughs> you look back at the past championships, and it's like, yeah, there is a blueprint here. And when you look back, it's so you're hard pressed to pick a team that is as young as the Grizzlies that win it all. Like, yep. you, there's just isn't much precedent for that. Like, you actually have to take your lumps. You have to lose. You have to grow. You have to get a bit older. And so, like, your best player being 23 or 22 or however old Jai's, it just doesn't happen. And so that's why I knew, or I, I was very low on the Grizzlies as a championship team coming into it. Yeah, and I mean, the, the best precedence for that to me would be the Thunder, the, uh, the Durant-Westbrook Thunder, or maybe the Penny-Shack Magic. And even though both of those teams went really far, when it came to nut-crunching time, they both like just crumbled in the finals. So I think I think there's a lot of legitimacy there in what you're saying. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, the fourth series, the Nuggets versus Warriors. I don't have a ton. I don't have a ton to say about this. I I love Jokic. I love his brothers. I want all that content. I want to see him riding his horses in the off season. But the Nuggets roster is terrible outside of him, despite having the best name player in the NBA in Bones Highland. I think Curry. Uh, you know. 
I think he's still working his way back. I love the fact that he's like selflessness enough to come off the bench in the first game. But Draymond and Clay both look really good in the first game. And even before that, I I thought that the Warriors were going to win this series. Uh, love Kaminga. So I, I don't have a ton to say on this other than I think the Warriors easily win this series, possibly in four. But I can't get a good read yet on whether I think the Warriors are championship contenders or not. They are. And this is my second team that can win the championship best. They, I, yeah, one, Jokic in the post. (laughs) It's amazing. But two, the takeaway from that game for me was, holy shit, the new death lineup is very scary and deathy. Draymond Green, Clay, Poole, Curry, and Wiggins was unguardable. Yeah. Full stop. Uh, they were, and I understand it's the Nuggets, but they, I mean, they looked like a JV team out there. They were in complete shambles. The ball was rotating around, and I, I just don't know unless your team, you're facing a team like a B who can really punish that small lineup. Like that to me is the scariest high ceiling lineup in the NBA today. Uh, and you know, the Suns no doubt are the prohibitive favorite of the West, but like. Would not be surprised if the Warriors won. Um, if Curry can get healthy, uh, look out. And Clay, the past couple of weeks is looking a lot better. He is, and no, I don't love. I, I can't imagine loving a player persona and just person more than I love Clay's. So, I love that Warriors always have. I didn't ever. I like they're. Be- it's beautiful basketball. I, I and Steph is just a delight to root for. I just, I, you know, they, I believe the stat was that coming into this series, the Warrior, the Draymond Clay and Steph had played a total of 11 minutes together this season. So it's just hard to get a read on how cohesive this team will be. But I, I, I could see them shocking us all. And they're, it's nice for them because they're sort of flying under the radar at this point, uh, especially compared to the Suns in terms of attention. Like they could really bring it all together. I just, I, I worry about the center position and I really wish they had Wiseman, uh, even though he hasn't played, you know, in a year and a half. I just imagine that added to this team. Um, all right, let's move on to the Heat series. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this um, other than the fact that I think oh, oh, it's the Heat versus Atlanta, the Hawks. I think, um, you know, the Heat are going to dominate as they did in the first game. And as a noted and staunch Trey Young hater, I continue to just love the fact that my takes are validated. And then just on a side note, I want to see Tyler Hero all the time. He had a bad first game, but he's the player I feel the most kinship to because he has the game I always wanted when I, back in the day, I played basketball. Um, And he has a great haircut, great haircut. So he's fearless and doesn't really understand that he's not always the best player on the court. So I think Heat are going to dominate this, even though they still may be dealing with some of the drama of uh, the Jimmy Butler coach confrontation, which is one of my favorite moments of drama from the NBA this year. You know, Vince, in the... the pre-notes that you sent you're very you know meticulous and well prepared you said are the heat the most disrespected and ignored top seed in a while that was my question yeah yeah they're not <laughs> and here's my hot take basketball is more like golf than it is like baseball it's an individual sport and again if you have two of the top players you can win the championship if you don't you're not going to and so you take like baseball where you've got 
Mike Trout and Shohei Otani on the same team, two of the top what five players in the league, you might not even make the playoffs. Yep. But in basketball, you've got like a Durant Irving, you've got a shot. And so even though the Nets have lost game one, and we'll talk about them in a second, I think that they have a better shot of winning the NBA championship today after losing game one than the Heat do. Because at the end of the day, Butler or Lowry or Bam is just not good enough. Like, we have enough years of history other than the Detroit Pistons, uh, the Ben Wallace year, of, like, this just doesn't work. You need a all-first-team NBA guy to, to win a championship. Um, and to me, the X factor, I'm glad you brought him up, other than the great hair, is Tyler Hero. I'm just not sure he's good enough. Like, he's more than a spot-up shooter, get it. I know the casual NBA fans look at this guy, white guy, smaller build, and miss that. But I'm just not sure he's, like, enough of a shot creator. I didn't like the minutes in game one where he was bringing the ball up. His yep. handle's a bit too shaky for me. I, I think that you've got to stagger Butler and Lowry a bit more as you advance. Like, you go up against Boston, Milwaukee, you know, Smart Drew, they're going to be way phys- too physical uh, for a hero to me. And that's, like, to me, the the ceiling on this team is how good is he. Well, and they're so reliant on his offense. Like, yeah. they got yeah. by in the first first game because their defense was incredible, and they really shut down Trey Young. But I think longer term, going forward from this series— you're just going to need more offense. And I've never, I, I really respect Jimmy Butler, but I've never been a fan of his game just because it t- to me, he feels like the player that has most maxed out his potential. He's actually not like that great of a basketball player, but he's done everything he could to get the most out of what he has, which is so commendable at the same time. Like he can't shoot threes. He isn't a great like one-on-one player. And so it's like, I don't know. I just don't see how far they can go. I, I agree with you, uh, but you know, they, they were there. They were in the championship in the bubble against the Lakers. So who knows? Um, stranger things have happened, but I generally lean towards what you were saying. And that brings us to what was by far the best game of the first round uh, of the first, of the first set of games and the series that I most want to talk to you about, which is net Celtics. Uh, you uh, to me, this is the second most intriguing series other than Grizz T Wolves. But I may change that now after yesterday's game. What What do you think? Yeah, and to me, like this captures all the themes of the NBA playoffs and like what it takes to be a good team and what it takes to be a team to win the championship. Because on one hand, you've got Boston Celtics, high point differential high offensive rating, team offense rating, high defensive team uh, rating. And so you've got like the John Hollingers of the world, like the NBA stat nerds who are like, yep, the Celtics, they're like a key favorite. And then you've got the Nets who have the two of the best players in the league on their team and Kyrie and Durant. And so who's going to win out this like team that's better, that had a better regular season, a better point differential or the team with the two stars. Yep. Um, and I going into this, thought that the Nets were going to win in five or six. Interesting. I still think the Nets are going to win. And what causes me pause was the last or second to last sequence in the game when they gave Kyrie the ball and they needed a scoreboard to go up. And they had Smart meeting up up uh, right up in front of him. Kyrie gets to the three-point line. They double him with Horford. Kyrie then has to... You know, he's dribbling, can't get by Horford, can't get by Smart, gives it to uh, gives it to Durant, and Tatum's right there, hand in his face for a contested three. And it was such good defense 
that I, I took a pause and was like, oh my God, like, wow, this is going to, this is a dogfight. And yeah. I have no idea who's going to win. I, it's a shame that this is in the first round. I think these are two of the, I don't know, five best teams in the NBA. I think both teams have a legitimate shot at winning the championship uh, and can't wait. I will watch every single minute, will not miss a second uh, of the rest of these games. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I love... Like, I think Tatum is obviously the better player, but I have such a strong affinity for Jalen Brown. I love, again, he's a guy that I just feel has, like, maximized his potential. But... There was so much blood. I know. I believe it. They, this, to me, this was the best type of basketball that I watched growing up. Like, Kyrie flicking off the Celtics fans, like, talking shit to them the whole game. It was just like, yes, this is what I want. Like, I want players who care. I want players who are, like, going to be petty as shit. And also, like, Kyrie backed backed up his game. Like, I, I am not the biggest Kyrie fan at all. And, like, he is completely illogical and nonsensical when it comes to not just his vaccination stand, stance, but just, like, all of his off-court persona but my god he has some of the best handles in the game possibly ever and like his scoring performance yesterday was incredible i think the celtics were, will win i'm going to stick with that prediction but they barely won yesterday at home with Durant doing nothing. Now, will Kyrie replicate that game yesterday in every one of the series? Probably not, but i, I mean Durant's going to come come alive at some point. I, I mean, there's only so much that you can do to contain him. I He is my favorite player in the NBA and also like the best scorer, I think, in the NBA. So I am with you. I can't wait to see the rest of the series. And I don't even want to bring in the whole Ben Simmons factor to this because I don't think he's going to play. But secondly, even if he did, I don't think it would matter. Um, and so I just, I, I wish this was like a conference championship uh, rather than, you know, a first round series. But as far as first round series goes, this is like, you know, as T.O. would say, get your popcorn ready, because I agree with you. This is just fantastic basketball to watch. Oh, yeah. And I I love, as you point out, that Kyrie's leaning into the villain role. Yeah. Like, this is, this is kind of what I wanted Tiger to do when he had the car crash and some of the substance abuse issues and the infidelity. I want him just to lean in and be like, yeah, I'm a bad, bad <laughs> dude. Like, this is what it is. And for Kyrie... Um, I just I have no idea what he's gonna do in game two. I uh, I love to root against him. I love to root against both these teams. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I would say the only thing I, I that pains me about this series is granted I'm a homer because I went to UVA and Joe Harris is the epitome of everything that I love about um, UVA basketball when it doesn't frustrate me terribly. I just think and I have a Joe Harris jersey. Um, like, I just think if the Nets had him, this would be an even better series because they're just, they have no bench at this point. They have all the olds on their bench, you know, like, and just having him would, I think, really change the dynamic. Just having one other credible player out there. And it just sucks that we're not seeing this full team. And I know Robert Williams isn't on the Celtics, but still, like, man, I, uh, it's it's just a shame. Last quick thought on this series, it was the best. Uh, great courtside fans. Like, yes. and of course, you know, I get excited to see Robert Kraft and the, and the Pats represented. But, and I'm sure maybe you do this, so I hate to give you shame. If you're going to go courtside and you're going to bring your kids, what is up with the headphones, oh. the noise cancellation? Like, you're either in it and you're going to, like, enjoy this moment or, or not. And I don't imagine, like, 20 years ago being at a courtside. Uh, basketball game and seeing like some kid, like eight year old kid with headphones on. Like, what's going on here? It really, they kept shooting this 
pictures of this poor little girl and I was like, man, you sh- your parents, this is parental abuse. I mean, one, I'm insulted that you would think I would do that if I brought my kids to the game. Absolutely not. I mean, granted, you don't need them when you take them to the Pelicans games uh, and they often just ask me why it's so empty. But no, I mean, I completely agree with you. Like you're there for the experience and they should be fully embracing it. And especially if you're courtside, like, come on, like it, one game isn't going to decimate their hearing for the rest of their lives. I also just wanted to say, one other thing I thought was interesting, I don't know if you've been watching Winning Time, the show about the LA Lakers on HBO. Okay, so it's awesome. I highly recommend it, it's way over the top. But what's fascinating is last night they did the Magic Plays Larry for the first time in the Garden episode. And it was such an interesting contrast to watching the game because it's like, they just did, they did an extensive amount about how racist Boston fans are. They like just went all in on it. What a dick Larry Bird was. And so it was very funny to like have just seen the Kyrie thing and then to juxtapose that with um, that type of history. So uh, highly recommend that show as well. Um, once you, once we're done with the playoffs or if you can fit it in, in between the games. Um, all right, let's move on to the seventh series we're going to analyze. Don't have much to say about this. Bulls, Bucks. Bulls have not been good since uh, pretty much the start of the season. They they went on a tear. Um, but then once they lost Caruso and Lonzo Ball, they just haven't been the same. Really respect DeMar Rosen. Um, I even like Zach Levine, but this is just not. The Bucks didn't even seem to care that much yesterday. And still, I thought never the game was never really in doubt. Um, Giannis is just an amazing person. The fact that he ends his press conferences with dad jokes just warms, uh, like warms my heart so much. And I think they're going to cruise and there's not really any, if they lose a game in the series, it's because they're not going to be caring that much. But I think they're pretty much a lock coming out of this. Vince, I was with you before game one and I'm kind of with you now, but not so fast. Hmm. There's a problem. Like red alert, red alert. What happened to Chris Middleton? In the Nets series last year in the semifinals, like I, you're going to think that I'm being uh, ridiculous or hyperbolic here, but he was the best player on the court in the fourth quarter at times, better than Giannis. They were going through him. And yesterday, Giannis is the foul trouble. They're doing some crazy, like, sub in, sub out. Like, it was, uh, just let the guy play. If he fouls out, he fouls out. But they need some key buckets. The game tightens up. And they have to go through Drew every single time. And I love Drew, but Drew is not like a, the number one offensive player that you can like go through and have him facilitate and key games uh, possession after possession. Middleton had seven turnovers. Uh, is he hurt? Like what? They're I, I, not going to win if he's not a you know a top offensive player. I think the problem here isn't Chris Middleton. It's your view of Chris Middleton. So he is the same player he's always been. I think. To me, he is an older Jamal Murray. Like, you are going to get 50-point games out of him, and you'll be like, this guy is one of the best fucking players in the NBA, and then he's going to have games like he did yesterday. That's just how he is. He would be an elite player in the NBA if he was at all consistent, but he's Chris Middleton because he's not consistent. So I think that's just what inevitably happens, and he's going to have a hot streak at some point in the playoffs. Um, But this also isn't a good matchup for him because you have Levine and... Um, DeRozan, who are both going to wear him out on the offensive end when he's playing defense. But I, I get it. I just think that this is how he, this is the guy he's always been. Like he, he, he can't string together an entire 
series of games, let alone a whole season, where he is the type of player that we saw last year in the playoffs. And I think that has always been a fair knock on him. The, the only other challenge I'll have with, with the Bucs, I want to spend a little extra time because they are the defending champions. And yeah. we both agree, a real shot at winning this thing. Is beyond Middleton, Brooke Lopez was like incredibly important to them yep. and like was a key uh, factor in yesterday's win. If I'm the Bulls, I know it's painful, but I'm I'm sitting Vucevic and I'm going small because I'm trying to take Brooke Lopez out of the game. And then who are the five for the Bucks if they have to go small, which they could have done last year? I, I just like it, you know we mentioned the death lineup in the beginning with with the Warriors. I don't think there are five small players on the Bucks with Giannis at the five, or you know, or I guess Portis. Like, it, who is it? Like Wesley Matthews is getting these big minutes. Grayson, like, it's just I'm worried that they're one or two guys short. Um, and so, I, I, these are like real Achilles heels for the defending champions, and it's it's going to be tough. And this is why I actually have the Nets coming out of the East over uh, the Bucks because of it. That's that's interesting. Honestly, like what you're saying, remind like sort of the Bucks could like if you're getting significant Grayson Allen minutes, count me out, right? And they're they're going to need that at some point. To me, the Bucks, in some ways, from what you're saying, there's almost like a connection to the Suns from last year, where the Suns were, you know, one player short on their bench, which was really just like a backup center. And this way, the Bucks are one or two players short. But in terms of their backcourt, because they don't have the guard support. So I I could see that. I still think Giannis can pretty much cover over a lot of errors and mistakes. But it's going to be fascinating. I do think the Celtics, if the Celtics win the Nets series, too, can beat the Bucs. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point. But, yeah, I, I, but I, it, what's also interesting to me is... I don't know if you looked at the shot distribution yesterday in the Bulls from the Bulls side. DeRozan, Vucevic, and uh, Levine all had almost two of them. Vucevic and DeRozan both had over 20 shots, and Levine had close to 20 shots, if I remember correctly. And then the rest of the team was like pretty much non-existent. And I'm with you. Like Vucevic has always been this guy. Like fine, he he can fill up the stat line during the regular season, but a lot of uh, you know. He he's just not that good of a playoff player, and to give him that many shots is just like crazy to me. So there is a chance that like who knows, maybe if they actually like do a better job of getting the ball in the right hands on their on the Bulls, they could present more of a challenge. But I'm not I'm not holding my breath on that. I would agree. I mean, the Bucks will win this, whether it's in four or five, it's over. Okay. All right, final series, the one nearest and dearest to our hearts. (laughs) Pels, Suns, you know, it started last night, didn't look so good for the Pels, but I'm just so proud of this team. I don't care, like, if they lose in four. Like, like, everything about this season and the fact that they clawed their way back to get in the playoffs— I'm, I am in love with their young core. I, I've always loved CJ. I love that he's added to this team. The fact that Zion doesn't want to play for this team, even though a point Zion would make their starting five one of the most ridiculously freakish athletic teams in the league. Um, I don't know. I, I am all in on them losing in four. And I think the Suns looked unbeatable last night, and I love them. I think Devin Booker is taking his game to another level and should be considered longer term, not this season, but longer term an MVP candidate. And Chris Paul is always going to do Chris Paul things, but got to give some love to the Pelicans just for what they've done and how much shit they've taken to um, in terms of 
uh, you know, their rosters uh, uh, assembly going into this. Um, they've done a good job drafting. They have my boy Trey Murphy out of UVA putting in significant minutes. I love that they finally benched Devontae Graham, who is one of my least favorite players in the NBA because he's so inefficient. Like, seriously, you should be able to shoot more than 37% from the field. Um, but yeah, that all sort of hides and belies the point that the Suns are really, really good and they just are seem to be unbeatable and on a mission and came out last night really, I think, intent to prove a point that they're the team to beat in the league. And historically, possibly, if they go through this, given their rec- regular season record, possibly putting themselves in the realm of like Jordan era Bulls, inter- uh, you know, Warriors 70 wins in terms of what a great team they've been. It's also been a lot of fun uh, the details and, and I've been in the weeds. And so I want to talk about like too many minutes for Jackson Hayes, <laughs> too many minutes for Devontae Graham. Like even though they've, you know, he's not a starter anymore, he's played over 20 minutes in these past three games that you play in. Uh, yep. in, in the first game one last night, he hasn't hit a three yet, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be a specialty. It's like just give those minutes to Jose Alvarez. Yep. Rod. The Jackson Hayes minutes, just give it to Marshall. Like what, what are we doing here? Or Nance. And then yeah, talk totally. And then, of course, I realize that I'm in the weeds and I'm talking about like minor, minor details. And what matters with this team is where is Zion? Yep. And if he is uh, like comes back, you know, this series next year at any point and can be Zion like, oh, this team has a really high ceiling. They do. The challenge is the signs don't look good. And when I was at the Spurs playing game, of course, I spent an inordinate amount of my time just watching Zion on the bench. And he was like, you know, kind of cheering or kind of getting into it when some of the rookies were making big plays, you know, Murphy, God lover, Jones. But I'm telling you, man, when CJ would hit those big shots in that game, Zion never got up. Yep. He was just sitting there. And I don't know if it's like the CJ outing him that they hadn't talked at the All-Star game. I don't know if it's like there's some weird tension between him and Brandon Ingram about who's the alpha dog. It's just, it doesn't look good. It's, it's just the dynamics aren't right. It doesn't smell right. And if they can't figure that out, like this has been nice, but like ultimately it just doesn't matter. Well, I I mean, and compare that to Ja, who, I know. whose team I know. loves him, who was there for yeah. every game when he was injured and he is like embracing his teammates afterwards. I'm going on record. I know my friends who I talk to basketball about this make fun of me because they constantly say I think Zion should be in jail, which is not true. But I do think he should be traded. Get get rid of him now. He doesn't want to be here. He cannot like I'm sorry. You have uh, I'm not trying to, you know, weight shame. There's way too much weight shaming with like Luca and Zion in the and body shaming in the NBA. But at the same time, like it's your one job like if you are so heavy that you can't stay on the court and do your job and you have a foot injury that like granted everybody's body responds differently, but he's played a third of his game since he came into the league. No, like he, some of this is attitude. Some of this is like, he just doesn't want to be here and he never wanted to be here and he wanted to be in New York. Great. So to me, they have such a good young core and have done such a good job and have all these other picks coming up. They hopefully will have Kira Lewis coming back next year. Move on. Ah, get as much. Kira Lewis ain't the answer. Yeah. Well, the answer. sorry. And, so we're way too in the weeds. I, I love that this is where we've gone with this series rather than talking about how the Suns no, are so good. Like, let's go, like, give the people what they want. Exactly. But at the same time, yeah, it's just it just makes me it makes me so irate because it's like, 
One, fuck you. New Orleans is a really good city. It has a lot going for it. And like, you couldn't even like do your rehab here. You had to go out to Portland. Like, fuck you, guy. Like, if you be here or not, like everybody else is embracing it. And this team has so much potential and could be another Memphis. If you don't want to be here, I would rather us just trade him. I'm not with you. I'm not. <laughs> like, it's so hard to get a guy like Zach. I know. And I think he's young. He's what, 20 years old? 20, yeah. 21? Yep. He, he, like, let's not forget the Duke days. Like, this guy was so charismatic, so I know. charming. And remember, everybody told him not to play that he was going to risk his draft spot, that he shouldn't be playing uh, for Duke. And he, like, went out there and, like, risked his body, risked his, like, potential to make millions of dollars by going out and playing because he wanted to win. And so, yeah, I think he's made some missteps. I think he's been in his feelings, fair critiques and some of the weight. But, like, the Stan Van Gundy year was a real mess. Completely. That's on the Pelicans. Like, there's just been weird stuff around this team. And, you know what, like... What is it winning begets winning or like success begets success? Like, I just feel like if we can get him back on the court, he can be with these like role players that are really flourishing. I'm not going to give up. And if there's a chance for us to be really, really, really good, it's hard for me to believe that that happens without Zion. You're not wrong. I just, I think my frustration gets the best of me. And as someone who can only see black and white in most things, I, you know, am a maximalist and just get so frustrated where, you know, I can never see the nuance in things and just get so frustrated that he's not on the court. Cause I do, I agree. If he was playing, this team could be incredible. Like absolutely incredible. I was just imagining the, like their starting lineup today, if he was in there instead of Jackson Hayes, right? Like, so yeah, I you're probably right, and my frustration is getting the best of me, but I just love the rest of this team so much, even though I have issues with Brandon Ingram, um, always thinking that he's slightly better than he is. He is a really good player, um, and CJ is just a delight to watch. So I hope, Zion, I hope you're right. I hope Zion, they can convince him to come back. Willie Green has done an incredible job coaching this year too. I think that is actually the best thing that uh, the Pelicans have done off the court in a long time. Um, the Stan Van Gundy hire was just so stupid. Um, and you and I said it at the time, but anyway, way too long, way too long on the Pels. (laughs) The Suns are really good. They are the prohibitive favorite by looking at what they've done the regular season. And again, can you win the championship if you don't have a top five player? And other than the Detroit Pistons, you just can't name it. Like you, you go through them. Uh, you're like, oh, like Curry and Durant and LeBron and Kawhi uh, and the Nowitzki like MVP type year. Yep. You have to have that type of player. And so it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I am on the side. I am on the record. The Suns are just going to be good enough. And that a Durant or a Giannis are going to win the championship. Uh, but I could be wrong. And I can't wait to see. Well, Okay. I appreciate that prediction. I think, you know, in our note document here, I have Bucks over Suns, but honestly, I as much as I love the Bucks, as, as much as I love the, being a Wisconsin native, I think I might have to change and just, I'm really rooting for these Suns. I love what they've done with their team. They have the worst, one of the worst owners in sports. I would love as just like a fuck you to him that they won despite the fact that he is a racist asshole. So I think I might change and say Suns over Bucks in seven, um, but I really don't know. And I think we we legitimately have four teams that could win it all. Bucks in my mind: Bucks, Suns, Nets, and Celtics. Um, so I, I, it's going to be great watching this. And you know what? If 
if this turns out to be the playoffs that I think you and I both expect it will be, you should come back on when we're a little bit closer and uh, do a like uh, conference championship or championship breakdown. Love it. Thanks so much for having me. This awesome. awesome. This was great. Thank you so much for joining me, Alex. This has been the uh, playoff preview for the NBA for the Insatiable Content Podcast. I'm your host, Vincent Rossmeyer, signing off. And thank you for joining us.